Fam, hey, let's welcome all of our family online as well as all of our family in house churches. What's up, guys? Hey, fam, we know this. We know that we live in a world that's been stormy, that is stormy, and I hate to break it to you, but there's more storms on the horizon, right? And so what we've been doing, we've been kind of taking this journey this year through the Sermon on the Mount. And so week by week, brick by brick, we've been uh, beginning to build our life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Because we have this promise from Jesus that if we build our life on his teaching, on his word, on his truth, it doesn't matter what storm comes, financial, political, personal, family, whatever it is, health, any of that, it doesn't matter what storm comes, if we've been built on the rock, then we'll still be found standing on the other side of the storm, all right? And so right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, right in the middle in Matthew 6, Jesus gives us, which what I think honestly is outside of salvation, the greatest gift he could ever give us, which is he teaches us how to pray, right? So that when we pray, we'll pray the right way. Because how many of y'all found this out? Like, there's a right way to pray. There's a wrong way to pray. Some of us think that, like, well, as long as I just open up my mouth, at least it's better than, than nothing. And Jesus kind of corrects some of that stuff right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. But what we want to do is this. We want to pray the right way. And I believe this. Over these few weeks, and it maybe has already begun in some of you, I believe that there is, there is a revolution in how we pray actually already underway. Right? So maybe the revolution is just you beginning to pray. Maybe you prayed for the first time in a very long time this last week. Like God is starting to, to stir something up on the inside of you. Maybe you actually started incorporating some of the things that we, we talked about last week in your prayer. And now your prayer life is starting to come alive. God's beginning to stoke that furnace inside your soul. And as he does, he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And that's how we pray the right way. And so we're gonna put it up here. If you forget it at some point during the sermon, you can just look at my shirt and uh, you can get it again right here. So uh, I'm gonna use the New King James Version just to kind of give a little bit of different language this week. So Jesus says, these are red letters. He says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, amen. amen. Whoo, the most powerful prayer ever uttered in the history of the world. And last week we landed on the first part of that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That what Jesus actually does, he teaches us the first thing that we ever have to do before we ever ask anything for ourselves is that we have to establish the presence of God in the room. Right? We have to say, our Father who art in heaven. In other words, he is the great, amazing creator, Jehovah God. And he's also our Father. Right? And what happens is we come into prayer. Many times, like when, you, when we pray, guys, let's just be honest. We're looking at health stuff. We're looking at national stuff. We're looking at family stuff. And it all looks like mountains. Right? It, all, it looks unconquerable. It looks like, I, man, I could never, nothing could ever change right here. But what happens is God invites us to hallow his name, to exalt his name, to reverence his name. So that when we come into prayer, the first thing we do, we don't start praying about our mountains. We start 
thanking and exalting the mountain mover. And we say, God, hallowed be your name. God, your name is Jehovah Sidkenu. You are the Lord, my righteousness. God, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You are Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who's my victory. You are Jehovah Sabot, the Lord of heaven's armies. And what happens is the first thing we do when we step into prayer, we lift up our eyes and we put God in his rightful place in our lives. And then what we find ourselves doing is not looking up at our problems. We find ourselves looking down at our problems because we've actually hallowed his name and we establish his presence in the room. That changes how we pray when God shows up in the room, right? The mountain mover shows up in the room. And Jesus, today, he takes another step. And I want us to pause here on the second part of the prayer. And if I can be honest, this is my favorite part of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you track um, and, and with and know much about the, the New Testament, one of Jesus' favorite things to talk about is the kingdom. Like he's always talking about the kingdom. He's like, you know, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. The kingdom's like a king who threw a party. The, the kingdom of heaven belongs to children. The, um, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a treasure hidden in a field that somebody sells everything they own to go obtain it, right? And, and when, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven in Hebrew, here are the words that he uses. It's malkut shamayim, which I'm sure we're all familiar with this. So Malkut is the actions of a king, not a king himself, but the actions of a king, his reign, his authority, his rule, and Shamayim is is heaven, but I want you to pay really close attention, because this is super important, okay? It's saying that heaven is not always an exact place, heaven is wherever God is. Does that make sense? Right, so, so I know we think like, I'm gonna die and I'm gonna go to heaven. Uh, yes, okay, but, and so we're like, well, where's heaven? Is it that way, is it that way? Is it? Here's the reality, heaven's wherever God is. If God wasn't in heaven, it wouldn't be heaven. Okay, so heaven is wherever God, the presence of God is. So when we put those two things together, the Malkut Shamayim, when we put those things together, here's what it means. That the kingdom of heaven is wherever God is ruling and reigning. That's what it means. If I can boil it all the way down, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is anywhere. It's up there in the third heaven. It's over there. It's over there. It's here in this room this morning. Why? Because it's the place where God's presence is ruling and reigning. The rulership, the reign of the king of glory is right here. The kingdom is at hand. And here's the idea, guys. If anybody knew anything about heaven, it was Jesus, right? He's the only one. He had come from heaven. He was returning back to heaven. He talks all about the two biggest things that Jesus ever talks about. He talks about his father and he talks about heaven. These are two things that he talks about. So when he prays, teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, he's speaking about something that he knows a lot about, right? Your kingdom come. And here's what Jesus is telling us. If we can bring it all the way down. Jesus is teaching us to pray that God's gracious, loving, kind rulership and reign would come and become reality here on earth. That's what he's teaching us to pray. The way God rules and reigns in heaven, that it would become real here on earth. And here's what he's saying. He's, Jesus is teaching us to pray that here would look like there. You have permission from Jesus to pray that here, wherever here is, that you're here 
would look like there. Because we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And he's implying this, guys, is that there is a gap between what God wants to happen in the world and what actually is happening in the world. And he gives us permission and prayer to close the gap. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what we're praying for is God's desires for earth would start moving and invade earth from heaven, that heaven would invade earth. And what we're praying is, what we're praying, guys, is we're praying that anything that stands in the way of the kingdom of God would bow its knee. That's what we're praying for. And I just have to be radically honest right here, right off the top. Most of the time, the number one thing that's standing in the way of the kingdom of God is me. It's me. Because here's the reality. I have a kingdom that wants to come too. And so here, I found myself, I was on a call with the, the campus pastors this last week, and I found myself, I just said this. I'll put it up here. I know two things to be absolutely, completely true. Number one, God's kingdom's better than mine. Come on, guys. I know this. I unreservedly, unabashedly, uh, with absolute clarity and confidence say that God's kingdom is better than mine. He's stronger than I am. He's better than I am. He's more beautiful than I am. He's more powerful than I am. Come on. I, I agree with Isaiah 55, 8, what the Lord says. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, we all dumb compared to God. We don't know. He knows. We don't have. He has. We lack. He has no lack. He, everything about God is better. His mind is better. His plans are better. His wisdom is better. It's more brilliant. It's more beautiful. And I know this in my bones that what God wants for us is better than what we want for us. God's plans for us are better than our plans for us. I know all that. I know, I know that I know that I know that God's kingdom is better than mine. Yet I also simultaneously know this second thing, that I am tempted every single day to exalt my kingdom over his. And I want you to notice that's a lower K kingdom. God has a capital K kingdom. I have a lower K kingdom, all right? And, and here's what I know. We live in the me generation. Every generation since Adam has been a me generation, but God help us look at ours. Right? We, we have the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. It's all, it's all about three people in this life, me, myself, and I. It's about what I want. It's about what I desire. Come on, somebody. It's about what I want to do with my body. It's about what I want to do with my sexuality. It's about what I want to do with my emotions. It's about how I feel. It's about what culture's telling me to do. Right, And all those things try and take precedence in our lives over what God says and what actually is real and true and right and loving and, and, and life and not death. All the, all the things around us and everything within us wants to take precedence over what's actually real and true and right. Why? Because God has a kingdom that wants to come and we have a kingdom that wants to stay. And let's just be honest, guys. Our problem, we have to punch this right on the nose today. Our problem, too often, is that we live in outright rebellion against God and then still expect to get our prayers answered. <laughs> 
can we talk like that in church? Can we, can we awake? We enough? Like, we want to do whatever we want to do, and then we kind of shake our fist at heaven, and we say, God's not real. He didn't answer my prayers. <laughs> no, God is real, and God does answer prayers. But the first thing we have to pray is, God, hallowed be your name. Not hallowed be my name. This story ain't about me. Hallowed be your name. And the second thing we have to pray is, God, not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life and in my world. So when I pray, listen, guys, this is, this is why I believe this. This is probably the most dangerous prayer you could ever pray. Lots of times we pray stuff and we're like, oh, it sounds nice. And we don't know what we're getting ourselves into. When you pray, when we pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Before we ever pray that God's kingdom would come out there, I want the rule and the reign of God to come in here. Before I ever stand back and judge the world, I have to acknowledge that I have a plank in my own eye that I gotta get out before I can help them get the speck out of their eye. So how do we pray the right way? How do, we pray? how do we begin to pray? God, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What does this look like as it begins to take shape? Some of you are gonna wanna write this down. So three areas of the kingdom to establish in prayer. Here's the first one. That I'd be a kingdom person. That I would be a kingdom person. What do I want? Uh, I'm praying, God, let your kingdom, I mean, hallowed be your name, right? We establish his name in prayer. And then what I'm praying is, God, God, let your kingdom come in me. And there, there's a, uh, an ancient Jewish parable that I came across this last week that goes like this. It says that a man came into a province and he asked the people, hey, can I rule over you? And they're like, who are you? <laughs> what have you ever done for us? So what it says is the man went out and he built them a wall. He brought them water. He fought battles for them. And then he came back and he asked again, may I reign over you? And they say, yes, yes. And it goes on. It says, thus it was with the omnipresent. He redeemed Israel from Egypt. He parted the sea for them. He brought them manna. He provided them with a well. He sent them quail in the desert. He fought battles for them. And then he asked them, may I reign over you? And they replied, yes, yes. And I believe that this is what God is saying, the same thing today. He's saying, I am your father, the creator who formed you in your mother's womb. Every single one of you is handcrafted by God himself. He says, I have cared for you since birth. I so love the world that I gave my only son so that whoever comes to faith in Jesus Christ will never perish but have everlasting life. And by his blood, you are forgiven. And by his stripes, you are healed. And God says today, I am your right. Righteousness. I am your healer. I am your good shepherd. I am your provider. I am your victory. I am the Lord of heaven's armies. I have rescued you out of the miry pit and set your feet upon the rock. And I've blessed you time and time and time and time and time again. And most of the time, you didn't even know it was me who was blessing you. And then he says, may I reign over you. And we're like, well, when you put it that way, yes, yes. And this is the idea, guys. We're not coming to this cold, distant, faceless God. No, what we're doing is first we're establishing the name of God, who's also our Abba. He's the only one worthy to bow our knee to. He's the, listen, I bow to no man. I bow to no man. You see this all throughout the Bible. I bow to no man. I bow to no statue. I bow to no idol. I don't bow to the White House. I don't bow to any police. I bow to no tyrant. I bow to my Abba in heaven. He's the only one who's worthy of that. 
and God's kingdom begins to come into our lives. His, his rulership begins to come into our lives when we submit to his reign, right? John the Baptist, he prayed like this, John 3.30. He said, Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. Come on, guys. He must increase. So what does that mean? There's only so much space. So that means I have to decrease if he's gonna increase. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark 14, the, the, the cup of the suffering of the world is coming upon him. And he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Listen, guys, it is not a wrong thing to pray that God's will would be accomplished a different way. But then when you know what his will is, the greatest prayer you could ever pray, Jesus showed us, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. That is the most painful and the most powerful prayer you will ever pray. God, I, I want what you want to happen in me. The greatest prayer you'll ever pray is, God, I wanna do this so bad. Come on, somebody, you ever, you ever, you ever been on a date? You ever gone back to her place because you're just gonna watch a movie? <laughs> Come on, you ever been presented with this temptation that is like everything inside you is on fire? The greatest prayer you ever pray is, God, it ain't about what I want. It's about what you want. So I bow my knee to your kingdom. Because guess what? This ain't a democracy. We're not gonna like bring the pros and the cons onto the table and have a conversation with God. No, man. Here's the oldest saying, right? He's either Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. And I think that's why Jesus, at the end, Matthew 7, right? He says like, why are you calling me Lord, Lord? But you're not doing what I'm saying. I'm not your Lord unless I'm Lord over it all. Don't say that, well, you're, you're, you're king over this part of me, but not this part of my life. Right? No, what we're saying is we want all the kingdom to come into all of us, yeah. right? And the, the, the number one revelation, guys, that, that, that many of us need to get, me included, is that this story is not about me, right? And I know that's hard to understand because you're in every shot of the movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> like everywhere you go, you're, you're, in, you're the main character in the movie, right? Like there you are, you're in every shot. But here's, here's what we have to understand. Guys, this story began before we got here. This story will continue after we're gone, as long as the Lord tarries, right? Right? So this story began before us. It's gonna end after us. So therefore, we are not the main character in this story. We are a supporting character in God's story. This story is about him. And so therefore, it's not about my kingdom to come. It's about his kingdom to come. And we have to understand, guys, it, therefore, our desires are too weak to worship. Our kingdom is too small to live in. And what we have to do is we have to continue to lift up our eyes and we have to say, God, not, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want to come into my life. And so I bow my knee to his reign. And then here's what he does. He begins pouring the kingdom in me, forming the kingdom in me. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is wherever the rulership and the reign of God is present. So here's what he does. He begins forming the character of Jesus on the inside of me. That's what he does. And what, what's the character of Jesus? We see it in Galatians 5, right? The character of the kingdom, uh, Galatians 5, 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are really clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all the other stuff that when I didn't name your stuff. <laughs> if your stuff isn't up there, 
it's up there in the last part, all right? And here's, here's, what, here's what Paul says. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living like that, you won't inherit the kingdom. You're not getting the kingdom. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here, here's what he's saying, guys. We don't need to pray that we would sin. We got that all taken care of by ourselves. Right? Anybody ever have to, yeah, any of y'all parents, right? Did you ever have to teach your kids how to lie? They just, they magically picked it up. Anybody ever have to teach you how to lust? You're like, no, I, I, I got that figured out. I got that one figured out. I can do that stuff all, I don't need to pray, say, God, would you help me to sin today? I can do that all by myself. I don't need God's help to sin. But if I wanna be holy as he is holy, come on, if I wanna honor him with my life, if I want the kingdom to come in my life, I need God's help. So listen, when somebody's acting a fool in traffic, I need the kingdom to come in my life, right? I'm, hey, listen, I know I want to pray fire on that guy. Like, you know, John and James, like, can we just burn the city, right? Remember they asked Jesus that? Can we just kill the dude? He's like, calm down. How about you ask the fruit of the Holy Spirit of patience to come up? So you need to have patience or you can call down fire on people. Okay, I'm going to, I want the kingdom to come in me, Okay. When your kids are acting a fool at home, God, I need the kingdom to come in me, right? I know I'm always praying for everybody else. No, God, I start with me. I need the kingdom. Before a kingdom comes out there, I need the kingdom to come in me, right? Listen, when, when, when you're tempted to click and look at stuff online, God, I need the kingdom to come in me. When your boss is acting crazy, God, I need the kingdom to come in me. Come on, somebody. When, when pride creeps up because of what I've done, I need the kingdom to come in me, and here's what I know. We have not because we ask not. And so let's ask. Let's just pause right here. Let's pause right here. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we need your help. God, help me. Help us. Just even personalize this, guys. God, help me to choose the good and refuse the evil. God, I pray that you would fill my life with the fruit of the Spirit, that I'd be a kingdom person. God, let your kingdom come in me. God, fill me with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. God, the nine fruit of the Spirit. God, may it come alive in me. God, this is about you, not me. So let me walk humbly every single day. God, help me to be faithful and loving in my marriage. God, help me to love my wife as Christ loves the church and laid his life down for her. God, help me to be the kingdom person that you called me to be. God, I pray over my wife. I pray over my sons. God, that you would form the kingdom in them, God, that we would be a kingdom household, that we would be a kingdom people. In Jesus' name, amen. What would it look like if we started praying to be kingdom people? That's the first thing we got to do. That's where we first got to establish the kingdom. So the kingdom has to come in me. And here's the second thing we got to do to establish the kingdom in prayer. We got to walk in kingdom purpose. So here's what I'm doing. I'm praying that the will of God would be done for me. I'm praying that the kingdom would come in me, and then I'm praying that the will of God would be done for me. And here, let me just let this be our, our reminder, right? Every single one of you was born with a purpose for a purpose. This is what I love about God. God did not save you by the blood of Jesus and said, hey, guys, just ride out your life, going to church every seven days, right? And then I'll see you in heaven one day. No, none of you are an oops baby. Every single one of you is supposed to be here. Come on, none of you are an accident. None of you are a mistake. You were planned since the foundation of the world. God made you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And we see it in Ephesians 1.11. It 
It says it's in Christ. Here's how we find our purpose. Maybe you're living a purposeless life. Where do I find my purpose? It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And long before we've ever heard of Christ and got our hopes up, I love this, guys. He had his eye on us. Do you know that God has his eye on you today? Do you know that? You're not invisible. You're not forgotten. Not a mistake. You're not off the radar. You're right in the middle. God has his eye on you. That's a blessing. And he had designs on us for glorious living. Everybody say glorious living. How many of you would define your life as glorious living today and don't lie? (laughs) Part of the overall purpose, he's working out in everything and everyone. Here's how I say this, guys. Every single one of us has a purpose, and I believe this. Most of us, uh, hear me right when I say this, most of us do not have a sin problem. We have a boredom problem. Because you were made for glorious living. And most of us are sitting on the bench. And when you're sitting on the bench being an armchair quarterback to everybody in the game, you get bored, distracted, start looking back in the bleachers and you get yourself in trouble. Come on, when God's called you to be in the game but you're not in the game, you'll get in trouble every single time. And, and, and Pastor Mo said it like this he, recently. He said, when I'm living the life that I'm called, it's less likely that I'll fall. When I'm living the life that I'm called, it's less likely that it'll fall. And I'll, I'll let this be your, your, your annual reminder, right? Is that you were made for something great. You were made for something great. God put his greatness on the inside of you. God put his image on the inside of you. Those gifts, those talents, those abilities. So take whatever those gifts and those talents and those abilities are. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you're a fabric designer, a dressmaker. You're a lawyer. You're a politician. You have the ability to crunch numbers. You're creative. You're an artist. You're playing the sports. Whatever that is and everywhere in between. Take your gifts and point them at the glory of God. And then take your life and submit it underneath the will of God. And if you will take your gifts and point them at the glory of God and take your will and submit it underneath the will of God, God can do absolutely fantastic, more than you could ever ask or imagine. You will open up your eyes and you will see that you're someplace that you never imagined that you would be. Why? Because his kingdom's better than your kingdom. And his will's better than your will. The sweetest place in the world is to be right in the middle of the will of God. No better place, no better place. And that is why we pray, God, let your purpose for my life come to pass, not my purpose come to life for my past. Guys, I, God, God I, I have some pretty good ideas. Like, I think I wanna do this, I think I wanna do it. And that may be it, that may be a God spark thing. But I say, God, before I even take a step, God, do you have something to say about what I'm about to do? And here, here's the idea, guys, here's the big idea. If I know what God wants me to do, I just say yes even if it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Anybody ever told, God ever told you to do something that didn't make sense? Was it better? Yeah. Here's what we say. God, if you've told me what to do, I say yes. If I don't know what God's telling me to do, here's what I do. I pull out my life checkbook and I just sign the blank check. I say, God, here it is. You fill in the rest. You fill in the rest. You cash that check. Whatever it is you want me to do with my life, I'm, I'm gonna go where you tell me to go. I'm gonna say what you tell me to say. I'm gonna work where you tell me to work. I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. God, whatever your peace rests on, wherever as a good shepherd that you're leading me and guiding me, God, I'm gonna go down that path, right? Because God has a plan and we have a plan and the real test is this. Whenever the kingdoms clash and we say, no, 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 God, you don't know what you're doing. You forgot about this part. I need to go here. When our kingdoms clash, 
The question is, will I, will I bow my knee to his will or will I say, God, let your will be done in my life? And guys, every single one of us, we have these issues, right? We have these places. I, I remember we were just re- recounting it a few weeks ago, Summer and I, that uh, back in the day when we were um, just volunteering in young adults, we were uh, small group leaders. And all of our friends left Fusion at that time. All of our friends left the young adult ministry. And we, that's probably the, the biggest fight we'd ever gotten into up into that place because one of us wanted to go and the other one was like, hey, God didn't tell us to go. And so I guess we just gotta stay. But there's, there's something when your heart wants to go but God's tell, telling you to stay. What do you do? What do you do? Listen, me, me, me walking the path of like, I'm gonna get my master's degree in the midst of doing senior pastor transition and COVID, that ain't fun, bro. That ain't fun. A lot of the decisions, a lot of the really tough calls that we have to make around here at Victory to move a really big church, lots of times those aren't popular decisions. They aren't the things that we wanna do, but they're the things that God wants to do. Just a few weeks ago, I got a check for something that I did, and then God said to give most of it to heart of the house. And I'm like, why you? A friend of ours just wrote a book in the middle of one of the most stressful seasons of her life. Another friend of ours just like quit working here at the church to start the business that God told her to start. Guess what? When you got a consistent paycheck and health insurance and you give that up to go start a business that you don't even know if it's gonna make it because God told you to, everybody's like, that's foolish. I'm sure that's how Abraham felt too. But it's when the kingdoms clash, that's when it's like, who's gonna win? Is it about my kingdom or is it about God's kingdom? Here, let's ask a question, okay? What do you do when you're offered the promotion out of town? Every pastor that I know has the story of the person or the couple in the church who comes into the church, has their life revolutionized, God's doing fantastic things in, in them and their marriage and their kids, and then you meet them in the lobby and they say, hey, I, I got offered this job in California or I got, you know, whatever it is, right? And it's paying two times as much. And you're like, so, hey, I'm out. Like, would you pray for me? And I'm like, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but how about you ask a question, right? Because then what happens, almost invariably, right? is I hear about a year or maybe two years later, now they're divorced. They never really found a church home to connect to, but man, they got a lot of money. And Gerald Brooks, one of the pastors of the pastors of victory, he says this, the devil has no problem promoting you out of your purpose. (laughs) The devil has no problem to pay you not to make a difference. How much do you need? How much do you need? Oh, that's how much you need? Here you go. You're out of the kingdom now. Oh, this is how much you need to stop making a difference? Oh, I thought it'd take more than that. Okay. Oh, you just need to move here? Listen, I, I am not trying to scare you into staying in this church. <laughs> Listen, God calls people out all the time, all the time, okay? Here's what I'm trying to say. Just because it's more money doesn't mean it's more God. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. Don't chase the paper, chase God's will. Chase God's will. I'm gonna ask you another question. Here's, oh, oh, just, kids, just gra- hold yourself real quick, okay? Just. What time do you get here on Sunday mornings? The easiest way that I know 
if somebody is living in kingdom purpose is if they get here on time or even get here early. I'm not talking about you today. Listen, I know, I know the dog threw up right before you left. I know the Starbucks order was late. I know your mother-in-law paid a visit this morning, threw off the, okay. That aside, I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about like every week. I'm talking about like every week. Now here, listen, listen, listen. Don't, don't get upset with me too much. Because, because here, here's the thing, okay. Here's what it says. Here's what it says about you is I'm gonna get there whenever I wanna get there because I'm gonna wake up whenever I wanna wake up. Why? Because the whole story's about me. It's about my kingdom. It's about what I wanna do. And guess what? I'm gonna leave whenever I wanna leave too. Right? Yeah, I know the pastor's given the call to salvation and I'll probably have to, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm probably gonna disrupt somebody who's making the biggest decision of their life to put their faith in Jesus Christ. But man, I don't wanna get stuck in that traffic. Because it's about me. Oh yeah, no, no I, I go to church about every quarter. Maybe once a month. Why? Because it's about me. I got I mean, you know, I gotta watch ESPN Sports Center. The recap is on for last I didn't get to watch the game. I, I like my coffee. I gotta do the thing. I gotta do, I gotta trim the hedges. And all of our priorities are all out of whack. What do we put first? Here's another question. Do you bring your, your teen to youth group? It's inconvenient to bring my teenager back on Sunday night. Was it gonna be inconvenient when your teenager rejects Christ? And guys, we're, we're afraid, well, because they don't wanna come. Well, we're afraid to lovingly confront our kids with truth but then we allow the world to preach to them 24 hours a day on their device? Guys, there has never been a time that our kids need church and need Jesus more than they do now. And listen, if you're young and you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Listen, we've all been young at some point. I didn't just, I wasn't born this age, okay? All right. But I'd say this, listen. Uh, you're like, I don't like being preached to. You are preached to every single second of the day. Every single Instagram clip or TikTok or whatever it is that you swipe is giving you a message. We, we need to start viewing everything like that. Every advertisement you look at is, is, is telling you what's right, what's good, what's true, what's new, what's loving, what you should do. All the, all the flags that are being waved this month, they're, they're preaching at you. They're preaching at you. They're telling you what's good and what's right and what's true and what you should, how your worldview should skew, right? And then we walk into church, we're like, I don't want you to preach to me. Guys, you've been preached to the 23 hours before you got here. And you'll be preached the next 24 hours once you leave this place. And what we have to do, we have to have a steady diet of truth to offset all the lies that we're exposed to out in the world. So let's pray like that. Come on, let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, <laughs> May your will be done for our lives. And God, right now, I pray fresh purpose for every person in this church. God, I pray fresh purpose over every young person. God, I pray uh, over every older person who thinks that their best days are behind, fresh purpose. God, whatever you're leading us to do, we say yes. God, if you're leading us to, to move and to take the job and to take the promotion and to go over here, we say yes. God, if you're le leading us to stay put, we say yes. 
God, whatever you want us to say, we're gonna say yes. Wherever you want us to go, we're gonna say yes. Wherever you want us to, to, to be and to, to set our lives to, God, we say yes. May your will be done in our lives. And God, especially right now, God, I pray that your will would be done in our kids' lives. God, that our children would discover their purpose at a young age. God, that they would not waste their lives. Right now, we pray and we bless our kids that they would be a purpose-filled people. In the name of Jesus, let your will be done for all of our lives. Amen. Amen, amen. Pray to be a purpose-filled people, kingdom purpose inside of our lives. So what are we doing? We're praying that we would be a kingdom person. We're praying that we would have kingdom purpose. And the third thing is this, we're praying that we would operate in kingdom power. Everybody say kingdom power. So I want the kingdom to come in me. I want the will of God to be done for me. And then I want the kingdom to come through me. And here, here's, here's, here's where our prayers start to shift a little bit, okay? Because here, here's the thought, is that God has a kingdom that wants to come, and here's what we do in prayer, all right? Is that we want the tent pegs, this is the best way I know how to say it, we want the tent pegs of the kingdom to be established. We want to, to, to establish the tent pegs, and then we want to expand the tent pegs. So I wanna establish the kingdom, the rule and the reign of God on earth, and then I wanna see the rule and the reign of God on earth expanded from that place, Again, I don't want it to just be in here on a Sunday morning and then we walk out there and we live to just get back in the kingdom on Sunday mornings. No, guys, we take the kingdom when we go, right? That's why Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, right? We can carry the kingdom. We can carry the rule and the reign of God wherever we go. And this is the part of the prayer. When my eyes start getting up off of me and mine and my family and we start realizing that the fields are white for the harvest out there, right? That there's a big world that needs a big Jesus to invade. That's what we're doing in prayer. And, and think about it like this, that as, as Jesus walked the earth, as he, he, as he taught and as he healed and as he delivered, the kingdom of heaven was visibly breaking into history. Supernatural things were being done, right? And then he gives us permission. He prays for us that as we go, the kingdom of heaven would visibly invade history. Luke 10, here's how Jesus, what Jesus says to his disciples. He's telling his disciples, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. This is what Jesus says to us today. He says, heal the sick who are there and take the kingdom of God with you. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, we're, we're, um, Mother Teresa says this, is that we are the people that we've been praying for. So good God Give us the strength to work for the things that we pray for. And this, this is what it looks like, is that if, if Jesus teaches us to pray that God's kingdom would come, his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Here's, here's what it looks like, guys, is that we ask what's happening in heaven, and then we pray that what's happening in heaven would happen on earth. Wherever we see that, that heaven is not present on earth, we pray for it and we work for it. So here's what it looks like, and I'm, I'm gonna start closing on this, okay? How, 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 I'm just gonna run through these. How do we pray to establish kingdom power? Here's the first thing. We gotta pray for boldness in our faith. We gotta pray, again, I don't wanna just pray that my neighbor would get saved. God, would you please send somebody to preach the gospel to my children? God's like, uh, yeah, 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 okay. All right, uh, I'm gonna send somebody. I'm gonna show you who it is, okay? Turn left. Okay, walk a few feet, turn right. Okay, walk into the bathroom. Lift up your face and look in the mirror. <laughs> there he is. There she is. There it is, right? 
We're the people we've been praying for. So God, I, I, I'm understanding that the fields are white for the harvest. Here's what I know. There's no lost people in heaven. So as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. All right? I know that's unrealistic, but I also know at the same time, listen, that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but every single person to come to repentance and everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to pray for it, and I want to work for it. So God, would you give me the strength and the power and the wisdom on how to actually leave this place and preach the good news and see people come to faith in Jesus Christ? God, I need kingdom power in my faith. Here's the second thing that we pray. That the, 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 uh, we would pray for power to come through our life. Um, Paul says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1. He says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. I don't know how many of us that actually we take that true. 1 Corinthians 14.1. He says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. This is the guy who wrote more of the Bible than you did. And he says, guys, eagerly desire. All right, we're already talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit are found in 1 Corinthians 12. So this is what we gotta pray for. We have not because we ask not. Listen, we, we gotta pray, God, would you pour out, uh, would you give me words of wisdom, words of knowledge, miracles, faith, prophecy, um, distinguishing of spirits, healing tongues, interpretation of tongues. God, whatever is needed to expand the tent pegs of the kingdom. God, would you do it in me and through me? Come on, family. Listen, guys, I know we're like, oh, I don't know about all that. Listen, we have a supernatural God who's not called you to a natural faith. And so, listen, here's what I know. There's no sick people in heaven. So I pray, God, let your kingdom come here on earth. If you want to know where does my faith to pray for sick people come from, it's, it's this prayer right here. And it's the fact that Jesus has already made provision for our healing. And we're like, well, why isn't everybody healed? Listen, I don't know. Want to know? Because his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But here's what I do know. More people have been healed when I prayed for them than if I had never prayed for anybody. So God, would you come in power through the people of God to go out into the world? Here's the other thing we pray for. We pray for revival in the church. Come on, guys, every great move that God has ever done in the history of the world started with his people. It doesn't just miraculously happen out there. No, it starts in the church. And so we pray for a revival. We don't pray for a revival in the, in the world. You can't revive people who are dead, who have always been dead. No, you pray an awakening out there. You pray a revival in the church. We're praying for a revival in the church. So uh, 2020, I just had this crazy idea because I heard somebody who had a much smaller church say this, and I was like, what am I doing to myself? And so I, I, uh, I got the names of every single person in this church, every single person in this church. And in 2020, I prayed for you by name, by name, every single person in this church, by name. After about a week, I'm like, what have I done? thousands and thousands and thousands. But what he did, it attached my heart to you. And God's called us to pray like that. Not just me, God's called us to pray like that. That we would be a kingdom people. That God would spark a revival in his house. That we would be a people who lay hands on the sick and see him recover. We would preach the gospel with boldness. Come on, that we would be an evangelistic people. That we would be a generous people. Come on, somebody. That we would be the people who God's called us to be. Right, And then the last thing that I pray for, I pray for an awakening in the nation. I pray for an awakening in the nation. I understand this. There's no anger, racism, or rebellion in heaven. There's only one king in heaven. Everybody submits to the king in heaven. So as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. That's a, that, that will lead you to bold, audacious prayers. 
You'll find yourself praying things that you're like, wow, did I really just pray that? Yes. Let God's will and kingdom come to America. God, I'm praying for peace in our community. God, I'm praying for revival in our schools. God, let the gospel break out in our schools. God, I'm praying that the gospel would penetrate Islam. God, I'm praying that the gospel would penetrate New Age. God, that the gospel would break through all the false religion, all the false humanism, all the the demonic strongholds that are being thrown onto our kids. God, I pray that a revival would break out in our high schools, a revival would break out in our middle schools. God, I'm praying that our president would come to faith in Jesus Christ. God, I'm praying for our legislators to to make righteous laws. I'm praying for our law enforcement to do so fairly and righteously and justly. Why? Because we want to see God's kingdom come in power. And anything that stands in the way of the kingdom, it has to bow its knee. It has to bow its knee. So what do we do? I want God's kingdom to come in me. I want his will to be done for me, and I want his kingdom to come through me to invade the world around me until he comes again, until he comes again. But I know this, I know this, we all know this. Before we pray for the kingdom to come out there, the first thing we gotta do is pray that the kingdom would come in here. We gotta bow our own knee. So let's do that, let's bow our heads, let's bow our heads. Father, we acknowledge that there are two coexistent realities. (laughs) That your kingdom is better and stronger and more brilliant, wiser, more revelatory, more amazing, and more life-giving than anything that we could ever concoct on our own. Yet we have a kingdom that doesn't want to move out of the way in us. And so, God, we have a decision in this moment. Whose kingdom is going to come? Whose will is going to be done? here on earth as it is in heaven. And God, right now, what we do, afresh and anew, is we bow our knee to Jesus. God, we submit our kingdom underneath yours. We take on your kingdom. It first has to come in us. God, forgive us for for being super judgmental out on the world for the things that they're doing when we're doing many of the same things ourselves. God, we bow our knee today. And we pray like John the Baptist. (laughs) I must decrease and you must increase. We pray like Jesus in the garden. We said, not my will be done, but your kingdom come. And so here's the deal. Some of us, we need to recommit into that so that we can pray rightly and so we can live rightly and so prayers come into a new season of being answered as we submit our will underneath his will. Others of us, we need to come into the kingdom for the first time where the rule and the reign of, being, of God is happening in our life. And it may even just come by praying the first part of this prayer. Our Father, my Father in heaven, holy is your name. Here's the question, is God your Father today? Not is he the Father, but is he my Father through faith in Jesus? And how we come to faith in Jesus is we bow our knee to his kingdom. <laughs> and so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer right now. But as I've been talking over these last few minutes, I know this. I know that the, this kind, kind of irresistible, almost, if I can just say, this pressure from the Holy Spirit has been happening. And we need to respond to that. We need to respond to God's kindness right now. So let's pray like this, guys. Some of you are gonna pray this for the first time. Some of you are gonna pray this again as a family. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, 
right now. I confess you are the son of God who died on the cross for my rebellion. And right now, I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and that you're alive. So what I do, I repent. I decrease so that you can increase in my life. I turn from my sins and I turn to the kingdom. Let your rule and your reign come into my life. Right now, I am forgiven and I am free and I'm a child of God, all because of Jesus. God is my father, I'm your child. Let your will be done in my life, here on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. Family, let's do this just right here in this place. Can we stand up to our feet? Can we stand up to our feet? Let's just stay in an attitude of prayer, just right here. We're about to go into worship, but before we do that, I wanna, I wanna pray the, the kingdom power prayer. Come on, can we just stick out our hands? Can we just reach out? This is it's a surrender up. I would say a surrender right here is receiving. Whichever one you need to take on. Some of you need to surrender. Some of you need to receive right now. God, this is our prayer. Wherever we go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God, when we show up on the scene, God, I believe the sickness and disease are in trouble. Demonic principalities start trembling because the reign of Jehovah, come on, Jehovah Sabaoth, Jehovah Nisi has come into the room. The Lord of heaven's armies has showed up just because we're jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power comes from God and not from us. So God, let the kingdom come. Jesus, you said that anyone who believes in you would do the same works that you have been doing. So God, right now we claim that in Jesus' name. You said that the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And so right now, God, we pray, let the kingdom of heaven come to America. God, let the will of God be done in our city. God, may our schools come alive with the gospel. God, may salvation break out in the streets, in our neighborhoods, and let your will be done through your people, the church. God, let the people of God rise up in this day because we are here for such a time as this. And God, we cry out with the saints throughout all of history before us. And God of the Lord tarries who are gonna be crying out in the days to come. We cry out Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. It's pretty much the last words of the whole Bible. Come Lord Jesus. Right now, we pray for the second coming of Jesus Christ. God, come. We look forward, we long for the day when Jesus Christ will fully and finally establish the kingdom of God. No more rebellion, no more lawlessness, no more death, no more cancer, no more fear. All it is is love and life forevermore. But God, until that day, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus' mighty name. And all the saints said, amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord.